The Brewers Association and Craft Beer Radio present this recording from Saver 2013 in New York City. This recording is from Friday, June 14th. Saver Collaboration Beer, featuring Brewery Omegang, Brooklyn Brewery, and Saranac Brewery. So everybody, welcome to the collaboration salon here at Saver 2013 here in New York. You guys are the stalwarts. You guys are the ones who were downstairs and still managed to find your way up here. Uh, my name is John Holm, the editor of All About Beer magazine, and I have the distinct pleasure tonight to introduce you to Garrett Oliver of the Brooklyn Brewery, uh, Phil Reinhardt of Brewery Omegang, and uh, Rich Michaels of the Saranac Brewery, who will be... Back Rich, in Rich went, to, went down to get some Saranac beer. So, just a little bit of housekeeping. I want to let you know that Saver is brought to you by the Brewers Association, which is the national trade association representing small and independent craft breweries. You will get some beer in front of you. Uh, before you dive in and start tasting it immediately, wait for the brewers to talk about it a little bit so you understand what you're tasting. Also, if you have cell phones on, put them on vibrate or silent because we have our wonderful technical wizards, uh, passionate folks at craftbeerradio.com who are recording this entire thing. So when you get home, you can download this podcast or this, this audio from today on craftbeer.com within a couple of days and you can show your friends how cool you are that you are able to listen to all of this. Are you going to sing for us? Uh, no, but I am going to tell you that our supporters tonight are the Manhattan Beer Distributors and Spiegelau Glassware. They're over there in the corner. They're doing some great things. And you've heard enough from me, and now it's time to drink. Mr. Oliver. Well, I'm actually going to hand off uh, uh, to Mr. Lionheart uh, uh, here. I think we're going to start with, uh, with one of his beers, and then we'll, uh, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll move through, uh, uh, you know, one of uh, one of Rich's beers and another one, and then we'll come at the end to the beer we all made together. So you know, I think that it has a certain symmetry. Yeah, it has a flow to it. Thanks, Garrett. Yeah, it's fine. Yeah, I, I think I want to be talking about the beer while people are tasting it. That's you know. That's your favorite, right? Chocolate's in there. So you've been to the brewery? Yeah. So you so you had a chocolate bar with the beer and that's yeah, okay. Yeah, food's great. <laughs> I haven't tried those. I gotta try those. Thanks, Garrett. Okay, so everybody's got a, uh, a dark beer in front of them, hopefully. Uh, this is a chocolate indulgence. Uh, we first came out with this beer as, in uh, 2007. That was Omegang's 10-year anniversary. And we thought, what better thing to do than to marry Belgian beer uh, with Belgian chocolate? Uh, we knew that couldn't be a light beer, a, a pale beer, so we decided... To, to come out with a, a Belgian stout. 
Uh, it's like a pretty traditional stout uh, recipe with uh, roasted barley and chocolate malt. Um, and then we got some Belgian uh, chocolate and blended it in. But it's the, this, this recipe has uh, evolved since it first came out. Uh, the first batches I wasn't real happy with. They were a little unbalanced, I thought, a little bit bitter. Um, and I wasn't happy with the chocolate character. So uh, I started using chocolate nibs in the kettle. And uh, the, the nibs just bring, you know, I read uh, posts on BA form and so forth, and the nibs really bring out a deep, rich chocolate. And this, you know, some people say it's not chocolatey enough. Well, I, I guess it's not chocolatey, as chocolatey as some beers, but I, I didn't want it like a a beer that tastes like a candy bar. I mean, I like beer, you know, and I like beer that tastes like beer. And, but it has a deep, rich chocolate note to it. And this beer, especially um, as it ages, I think it mellows and that chocolate comes out a little bit more. The hop bitterness kind of uh, decreases a little bit and you get a little bit more of a, of a deep chocolate note. I'm gonna be in the, uh, in the audience here. Uh, where do you add the chocolate? Uh, we add the chocolate uh, mostly in the kettle, definitely the nibs in the kettle. Uh, we do add um, some in the bright beer tank, uh, but 80% of the character comes from the kettle edition. So why in the kettle? Early or late? Uh, about halfway through. You don't want it too late because then it won't emulsify, you know, emulsify and get into solution. Um, and you don't want it too early either, about halfway through, kind of where we put our spices. You know, like our spice character in our beer is we don't like upfront spicing. We want it well blended into the beer. So about halfway through, a lot of brewers put it in, late in the boil. To me, I don't, that's too upfront for me. I like it more blended into the beer. So that's about where we put it. Do you find that nibs have a lot of tannin? We did something once where... We actually were surprised, like what came out of, uh, you know, what came out of nibs. Yeah, I mean, you, you get a little bit of astringency in there from the tannins, um, and the beer drops pretty clear because of that. Um, but no real bad effects from from that. So, yes. Yeah. Well, you know, until five minutes ago, I didn't know we'd be tasting this beer tonight, but. <laughs> There's another question. Yes. I just remember one of my duties was uh, to repeat questions. So when it comes to pairing, you pair with chocolates uh, or other things. Yeah, I mean, it goes great with desserts because uh, and chocolate desserts, I mean, the bitterness is not high, so pairs great with uh, chocolate desserts. Um, stews, I've had it with beef stew. That, that tastes uh, great. You mean do we... No, we don't make it with... <laughs> I don't put beef stew in the kettle, no. It's just... Um, <laughs> No. 
Yeah, that'd be that'd be great. Yeah, to put it into a stew. Yes. That, yeah, absolutely. I mean, a lot of our beers are great that way, uh, pairing with different dishes and to incorporate those beers into the dishes themselves. Well, I'm told that our our, our time is uh, short, so in order to move through all the beers okay. that uh, that uh, that we have, we're going to need you to either drink up. You have to go one way or the other. A drink up, or it's the silver bucket. Uh, we're gonna we're gonna move on now. Uh, uh, you know, as, as as they say in some game shows, Rich has elected to go last. Um, so we're gonna pour you know uh, one of our beers. Um, this is a beer that is part of what we refer to as our ghost bottle series. Um, these are beers that we make, but we don't release to the general public, um, not because we don't want to, but because we simply don't have enough to make more people happy than angry. Um, you know, it turns out that, uh, you know, uh, these days when you have a few hundred cases of something, uh, that's enough to make, you know, say 300 people happy and 2,000 people really inconsolably angry. You know, and uh, that turns into kind of a problem when, you know, some of these people who are angry are often some of your best customers, and you have to tell them, well, actually, no, the stuff you've been reading about, that people are talking about, and that people like, we are not going to give it to you because we don't have any more because we gave it to somebody else who you actually hate. <laughs> so, or who is your, uh, your, 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 your business rival or whatever else. So we solve this problem by making about 20 different beers that... Uh, that we don't sell, but we just take out to tastings, and, uh, and this is one of them. And, uh, you know, given the shortness of time, I'm going to run through the production of this beer pretty quickly, but uh, so you can stick with me here. Uh, those of you who may know our Belgian strong golden beer called Local One, this beer starts as that beer, though if you know that beer, you will not recognize it in this beer. Um, this is because this version has been aged in second-use bourbon barrels for a number of months on uh, a blend of, ye of, of yeast that comes from natural wine fermentations. So what does this mean? Traditionally, when you fermented wine, uh, you pressed the grapes and the fermentation started by itself. You didn't add yeast to wine fermentations. This is a pretty new thing in wine. Almost all the wine that's made in the world these days, you have cultured yeast. But uh, uh, this has really largely you know, come to pass for the last 40 years or so. People wanted predictability, you know, et cetera, and they wanted to be able to deliver a wine year after year that was very much the same. Uh, and natural fermentations, of course, didn't do that. Um, in a way, this beer is a throwback. You know, what we're trying to do here is bring some of the natural microflora in the countryside back into the brewery uh, in a different way than, say, uh, doing Lambic, but a similar idea in that, you know, the yeast, the bottom of these wine fermentations, which are referred to as lees, L-E-E-S, um, are a melange of everything that was on the grapes when they pressed it. In most, in most wineries, they will kill off that stuff and then introduce their own stuff. In this place called the Red Hook Winery in Red Hook, Brooklyn, they keep the natural yeast. They grow the grapes on Long Island. They crush and vinify in Brooklyn. When they are finished with their fermentations, they will then move the wine off of this yeast sediment 
and give it to me. And I will put it in a bucket and I will, you know, I will carry it in my car to the brewery. We will put it in a barrel with this beer and let it age out for nine months to a year. Um, over that time, the natural yeasts, and there are many of them, will consume the rest of the sugar that's in there. So this beer is absolutely brute zero. There is no residual sugar in this beer at all. Um, it is about 10.2% uh, 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 by volume. And as it warms up, it's a little chilled right now because we didn't expect to serve it. Um, but it, uh, uh, it starts to show not only the acidity that you can see right up front, but some, uh, some Brett character as well from the natural Britannomyces strains that are you know, there you know, in the environment. Uh, uh, and uh, the warmer it gets, the more you get out of it. We refer to this as the rosé version, and we have about five different versions of this. Um, this was aged, two barrels were aged on uh, Chardonnay leaves and one barrel aged on Pinot Noir leaves. And, you know, that's, uh, it's that Pinot Noir, maybe five, six liters of Pinot Noir sediment uh, that gives you that little bit of blush color uh, that you see in that. Um, so for us, this is something that we want to do a lot more of in the future. Uh, we do want to bring uh, uh, a lot of the flavors that, were, that are in the countryside uh, 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 into the beers. I was just over in Italy until Tuesday, was brewing with some friends. We made a beer with hay, believe it or not. Now, this sounds crazy because you think, okay, hay, like, you know, tastes like you're cleaning out the bottom of your lawnmower. But in fact, the hay in that part of Italy smells like chamomile and mint and all this wonderful stuff. And, you know, we actually made a beer where we did this massive infusion of hay. And then on Tuesday, I smuggled hay into the United States. I know this makes me a bad Shame man. Shame on you. Shame on me. I know this makes me a bad man. I have a vacuum-packed thing of hay, and believe me, I was practicing on the plane, what will I say when they open up my bag and I have this greenish vacuum-packed bag, it's like, dude, not what it looks like. Yeah. Actually, it is exactly what it looks like. It looks like hay, and it is hay, but trying to explain to uh, some uh, customs officer why you have vacuum-packed hay in your bag, you know, I, I don't think that I was going to be successful. Um, so I'm glad, uh, uh, and by successful, I don't mean like they don't take it away from me, which they would. I mean not going to jail, um, you know, would be the definition of successful in that situation. So uh, I'm glad the hay is now at home. I'll tell you, this stuff makes a great tea, if you like. Um, the hay went in the uh, hot liquor tank, so it, all the water we were making the beer out of, and also we put a layer of hay on top of, you know, uh, the mash, and we did the sparge through the hay, through the mash, into this beer. And then we added uh, honey from the place's own bees, and we also added, uh, uh, you know, a tincture of this stuff called Préboujoune, which is a blend of local herbs. Um, we did a tincture of it in, like, 90% grappa, and then we're going to add that post-fermentation. So we crazy. <laughs> but that's, what, that's, how, that's, that's how... This stuff's actually going to be delicious. You know, I'm looking forward to it. So, were the barrels wine barrels? Or? They were second-use bourbon barrels that had been used once by us. Um, once by the, the, the distillery, obviously, and once by us. And the next beer that is coming around right now is a, a, a beer from Saranac. So, Rich, take it away. One more question here. 
Uh, the question was the approximate ABV, which is about 10.2%. Um, local one is 9%, but it has about 1.5% residual sugar. Um, because that 1.5% is taken up by the wild yeast and goes all the way out to zero, you know, you now have 10.2% and no sugar. Okay, guys, I guess we're moving along. The next beer we have is our Saranac Legacy IPA. This is a brand new product. This is not out yet. And being as we had a few minutes to talk, I happen to have a six-pack under the table. Here you go. Um, this beer is brewed to celebrate our 125th anniversary. Um, the brewery has been owned by the, the Matt family since 1888. So we've been making beer for a few years. Um, we've got a great history of making all sorts of beers. We actually went back through the archives, and we found an old IPA recipe that dates back to 1914. That's kind of what we based this on. We've actually taken a few liberties, uh, which the recipe kind of allowed us to do. The, the recipe uh, was based on using imported and domestic hops, which based on history and purchase records, we found those to be Goldings and Cluster, which are both in this beer. Uh, but being as it said domestic and import, we actually took some liberties and uh, went a little crazier with that. We got some uh, interesting hops in here, such as Galaxy, uh, Simcoe, uh, Cascade, uh, we have Cascade from a particular farm we like up in the Northwest. Um, this beer is not available for purchase by itself. Uh, to get this beer this summer, you have to buy one of our mixed 12 packs, our Saranac 12 mix bottle packs, and in each 12 pack box at the same regular price, there's a 16 ounce can laying on top. It's kind of our gift to our customers for 125 years in business, and just something different. It's about six and a half percent alcohol. Enjoy. I predict that this beer in the future will be available by itself. It's, it's possible. It's going to be available on draft as well. Yes. Uh, Saranac Thursdays are a concert series that we have every Thursday night. It's a local band that plays. It's about $5 to get in. It includes your first beer. and uh, We typically have two to 3,000 people in uh, the parking lot. It was probably about 15 years ago, and uh, there wasn't much going on in Utica in the summer. And uh, the first event we had was about 100 people, and people were kind of concerned we'd never do it again. And actually, it's grown to be quite some event. And right now, we donate all the proceeds to the local United Way. It's actually a pretty big fundraiser for the community. Um, great local bands. Um, there's a, a rock night, a jazz night, and something different every week, and it's a, it's a great time. It starts up in May and goes through September. So. So when you say liberty, you just mean you change the hops? Well, the recipe said imported and domestic hops. So that kind of lets us do what we want and uh, pick what we think are the best and most exciting varieties. We did a lot of research. Uh, we did dry hop samples with probably 15 varieties of hops that we use to find out what gave us the biggest bang for the buck. We're doing some great research now on, uh, with the gas chromatograph to find out the best varieties and best techniques to get the most out of it. And this is the first beer to come from that research. In our case, we're looking for aroma and finish hops. Uh, the, you know, hop bitterness we can get from any variety. You boil hops in for 90 minutes, you're not going to get much flavor and aroma uh, left. Uh, so we're really concentrating on stuff we add at the end of the boil and stuff in dry hopping. Any other questions? At this point, the plan is to keep it in cans. Uh, we found that... We found that on Taste Panel, uh, we actually we've got four products in cans this summer. We've been doing cans on and off for 20 years with the Saranac line. Um, we found that the, the shelf life is much better. I mean, we found that on Taste Panel, our brewing team scores cans better 
you know, 95 percent of the time. So we think it's really important for freshness. And so, some of the hop varieties and the hop aromas, the particular oils that really give this beer a great aroma, are really susceptible to oxidation and uh, and light. So. Not at this time. The question is, are we going to do all of our IPAs in cans? Um, no, we just think this is a great way to show this beer off. And um, we do our pale ale in bottles and cans. Um, I think I don't think everybody's ready to go 100% cans at this point, but we think that this shows this beer off at its best. So. Okay, I guess we got. Now, <laughs> finally, chilled, <laughs> we have uh, uh, you know, our, our collaboration beer. So, uh, you know, this is the New York Limited. Um, and by the way, who, you know, I can't remember which of you, I know it wasn't us, who designed this really cool label? I think it originally came from Larry Bennett at uh, Oma Gang with the original design, then it went up to John, John up at, uh, yeah, yep. finished uh, up. It's pretty sweet, looks nice. And so, uh, you know, in this beer, we basically got together uh, and uh, uh, we were thinking about, well, what do we want to have to represent, you know, New York? And it's been a long time since uh, New York State grew most of its own beer ingredients. But these days you can get, you know, some beer ingredients. So, I, you know, we started off with an, an idea for like a Grand Cru uh, uh, sort of Belgian sort of mash where we'd use about 40% raw wheat, all grown in New York State. And then from Valley Malt, they actually do the malting in, uh, 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 in Massachusetts, uh, but they are, you know, this is all New York State grown barley. Um, and so, you know, our grains here are all from New York State. We have New York State honey from Tremblay Farms. We use a lot of honey from, uh, uh, from them. Um, and then uh, uh, yeast coming from uh, Saranac, and their idea was to... Uh, ferment this with uh, with a lager yeast, um, and then uh, coriander and uh, uh, an orange peel from uh, from Amagang, and we produced the beer you know at Brooklyn Brewery, and it's re-fermented uh, in the bottle with a blend of yeasts, including the Saranac yeast, a little bit of Champagne yeast, uh, 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 and a little bit of uh, of a Belgian beer yeast. So, you know, the beer is coming out of that uh, almost, I'd say that it starts with a wit beer, you know, kind of tradition, you know, if you like, because of the 40% raw wheat. Um, but then it takes in, you know, the experiences uh, uh, of, uh, of all of our, our breweries he in here and, uh, and starts with a base of, uh, you know, of New York State ingredients top to bottom. Yeah, it was kind of like when we all came together, it's like... Uh you know, Garrett is known across the gamut for different styles, lagers and top fermented beers. Uh, Saranac, their long history of lagers and then going to top fermented. We're known for our, our Belgian styles. So we're like, what, what can like tie us all together? Uh, so we thought New York State ingredients, that's a big number one. Um, Belgian white beer, that's kind of like Something we've all done in some other, in some way or form. Uh, 
and so it all it just came together as as far as you know different styles that we kind of did in commonality. Um, Can you feel the moose? <laughs> there's one ingredient I think we left out was the lemon verbena as well. That was a local spice that Phil sourced for us. I said a number of ideas going on here. What's 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 kind of interesting to me is uh, you know we you know we based our sort of dosing of spices on some Belgian styles, and as a result, because of the lager fermentation, some of the spices came forward a little bit more than they normally would. So we have a a pretty big punch of of coriander, um, but it really works well. You know, it's an it Indian. Work, it's very clean. Yeah, it's very you clean. Know, it's a very clean beer. Oh, look at this. Uh, it's climbing a little bit, uh, you know, out of the bottle. You know, these, you know, th this beer is 100% bottle refermented, so it started flat uh, only a few weeks ago in the bottle, and uh, uh, not really flat though, right? I mean, uh, like, no, flat, flat. Still, 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 still. How do you get that post fermentation though? Uh, we filter the beer and then we dose it with priming sugar, you know, and uh, and and uh, and refermentation yeast. So, you know, unlike, you know, there are a lot of breweries who will start with, say, you know, a, a, a certain amount of CO2 in the right. beer to start. Uh, you know, we, we start with, you know, beer that is as flat as you can possibly get it, um, you know, which is like about one volume. You can't, you can't right, perceive right. it. Okay, okay. Well, that's post from. It's, it's all the blends of yeast that go in that do the re-fermentation. You know, the original yeast, you know, is, uh, you know, is a lager yeast that did the, you know, the main fermentation. Then we filter that yeast out and then add uh, the priming sugar, which is going to be taken up by the new yeast that we've added. There's a and pretty healthy amount of wheat in here as well that yeah, really lends to protein and good head development. Yeah, I mean, uh, it's got beautiful foam, you know. Which really holds up well, and has a nice, you know, it's funny, you know, we look at these bottles, and we think of them, and we mention them, we talk about them as champagne bottles. This is actually a beer bottle, and was always a beer bottle, and champagne is in a beer bottle. You know, the whole technique for making champagne comes from beer, um, done by the same people who are largely monks, who are the people who were learned, learned in various things at the time. And the, the thing with champagne was to make a drinkable drink out of these northern grapes that were so acidic, you know, and had very low fruit. And the thing about champagne, and I love good champagne, but champagne is a cocktail. It's wine, but almost all of it, 99.9% .9 of it, has a relatively large amount of sugar added back at the end of the process. Um, that is a reason for getting the yeast out of the champagne so that you don't have your bottles explode because you've added this extra sugar. Uh, in the beer process, you know, we leave the yeast in the bottle intact. And it's, of course, very good for you. You can go to any health food store and buy, you know, brewer's yeast in tiny little expensive nasty tablets, or you could drink it. So we prefer that. After the main fermentation, um, so you know, at about three weeks, we'll drop all the yeast out. We'll put it through the you know through the filter, and now we have clear beer. Um, 
and we start recirculating it through the tank, we add in our priming sugar, and you know, part of the point of the recirculation is to actually, if there's any residual carbonation in the beer, to actually remove it, because we want to know exactly where we're going with our carbonation. Um, and we'll run tests to tell us how much residual sugar there is in the beer, so we can work on that. And then, you know, we're going to add our, in this case, blend of yeast for the re-fermentation, um, you know, which we've tested out to see how far it's going to go in re-fermentation to, uh, uh, to develop the carbonation that we want. Now, in this particular case, this bottle looks a little bit frisky, and it looks like uh, 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 we've over-calculated. Uh, was eight grams uh, per liter, um, you know, which we have. It's just that it just got chilled, yeah. like 15 minutes ago. And so, you know, uh, if you you know get this in your gift bag and you take it home, it will not be behaving like this at your dinner table. It will, it will, in fact, be a well-behaved beer uh, at home, even if it's not behaving now. But you know, it's nice to see it's happy. One more thing to your question is we do bottle we did bottle the beer right after mixing the sugar in because that yeast will start refermenting in the tank right away so it's a it's a pretty quick process that we we dose the yeast and uh, sugar in minutes before we bottled it it's got a pretty short fuse at that point otherwise you'll have a tank full of carbonated beer yeah I, I just tasted this I mean I just got back from Italy I just tasted this the other day and I'm like hey this is good <laughs> I'm enjoying this so it's a uh, it's, it's a funny thing, you know, uh, you know, New York State back in the day was the focus of, uh, of the hop growing industry in the United States, uh, you know, the land that Rich's Brewery is on, you know, a lot of that around there was hop farms, you know, back in the day, we're trying to bring that back, you know, to New York State, you know, we're seeing a, a great interest in, uh, uh, you know, in making, you know, in making uh, beers that are based on local ingredients. You know, we're making a beer now for the green market that will be coming out soon called Green Market Wheat, you know, based on, uh, on local stuff. Um, and certainly these are things that, uh, uh, you know, that all these guys have been working on really for, for many years. So, you know, I mean, in Brooklyn, we had 48 breweries back in the day, and it's great to, you know, to be able to uh, bring, uh, you know, a, a bit of not only old New York tradition, you know, through what everybody is doing, um, but also use the stuff that our local farmers are actually growing. Yeah, I mean, uh, I don't know if you know, people are familiar, back in the 1800s, upstate New York was like the Yakima Valley or the Willamette Valley, uh, what it is now. And uh, that's really coming back to upstate New York. We're doing some work with Cornell University. We're actually doing a variety test at Omegang. We're, we're going to test out about 20 different varieties. Uh, we've committed to... Uh, help fund a hop picker. So it's, there's a lot of local interests and local farmers that want to get back into hop growing, and we're trying to help that, help them get over that hump. Well, that's, well, that's you know, the big thing now is with the East Coast is uh, resistance to powdery mildew and downy mildew. That, those are the, those are the, uh, the viruses that, that destroyed you know, the, the hop industry in New York State in the 1800s. I mean, there's been a lot of agronomic uh, advances since then, so we can do a lot with soil and things like that. But, uh, you know, one of the things we're doing is, like, variety trials to see what varieties will grow well in the Cooperstown area. I mean, uh, you know, with, with certain agronomic conditions and so forth. 
Well, it's just it's just starting. You know, we we have we just put our poles in and the trellises and so forth. So far, we're we're gonna plant the plant the rhizomes in about two weeks, and it'll be a process of seeing you know what grows well. It, that the main thing now is like picking varieties that are resistant to mildew because that's it's you know the it's very moist up there in, in that area of New York State so you and so those mildews are very uh, prevalent so you have to you know pick something that's going to be resistant to those. So guys, uh, we're headed towards the end here. I'm sure people have questions. Some of our speakers might stick around for a little bit, but you can get a final round downstairs at Saver before you leave tonight. I hope you guys have enjoyed the bonus beers, the collaboration beers. You guys are among the first to have this uh, tonight. I hope you definitely enjoyed it. Well, you guys are the first to have this tonight. Everybody's leaving with this tonight. Again, craftbeerradio.com. Uh, recorded all of this. You can listen to it on craftbeer.com. Thank you to our supporters, Manhattan Beer Distributors, Spiegel Out Glassware. Check out what they have over there. Thank you to Brewery Omegang, to Saranac, to Brooklyn Brewery and our speakers, and to you guys for sticking it out tonight. And uh, if you want to hang out, you're more than welcome, or you can head out downstairs. Thanks very much for coming out, guys. Good night, and thank you. Thank you for listening to this recording from Saver 2013, brought to you by the Brewers Association and Craft Beer Radio. You can find the rest of the salons from Saver 2013, as well as all the salons from previous years at craftbeerradio.com slash saver or on craftbeer.com. Craft Beer Radio is a weekly beer podcast that you can listen to on iTunes or from our website at craftbeerradio.com.